You're listening to a message from Pastor Kenny Garrett recorded at a live service at the General Baptist Church God's House of Prayer located in Fairborn, Ohio. Verse 7, this is Christ speaking. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, once again for this day that you've given us, for the chance you've given us to assemble. Lord, I pray that you draw each one of us closer to one another as you draw us closer to yourself. And we'll never fail to give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week we talked about conviction. Last week we talked about uh, the prodigal son and uh, being in a feeding the hogs and coming to himself. And we talked about that being the work of the Holy Spirit. That that conviction that we talk about is something that we cannot do. It's not given to us to be our responsibility. You and I cannot engage in that work. You and I cannot do that. We must pray and we must wait on the Spirit. Now I told you also that when we start praying for our lost loved ones earnestly, I believe their lives will change, ultimately for the better. But it might take them someplace that we don't want to see them go in the meantime. And I promise you that's okay. The Lord is in control, and we will ask him um, earnestly to protect him. But at, at all costs, salvation is what we would rejoice to see. So knowing that it begins in prayer, and prayer, if you wonder why we pray, I don't know if you've ever asked, your, asked that question earnestly why we pray it's how God involves us in what he's doing it's what God it's how God involves us in what he is doing so you and I sit here today and each one of us could make a list of our lost loved ones and people we know that we would love to see come to know the Lord just like we do and sometimes we make excuses in our mind and uh, we think somehow we're, we're a little defeatist about it. We think somehow that the world has something better to offer. But I want you to think back to your life before you knew Christ. It's what it was like for you before you had that encounter with the Holy Spirit, before you put your trust in God. All the things in your life that you had filled your life with that were not satisfying, that were not the end, they were not what you were searching for. Even if you knew it consciously or not, you were constantly on a search for something uh, to fill a hole that you knew you were lost and undone and something to save you. Whether you use those words or not, the entire world's looking for it. Something else. They, they realize that, that they, salvation is outside of themselves, even though they try uh, a million ways to provide it. We know 
that salvation is through Christ alone. Charles Spurgeon said, uh, if you do not find salvation in Christ, you will never find it elsewhere. Now that's part of the good news, and, and the reason that that's part of the good news is whatever your lost loved one or friend or someone you know is going through, there will be an end to that that doesn't end in any type of salvation. I don't know if you've thought about that and really realized it. If your children, grandchildren, brothers and sisters, whomever, parents are out there searching, I know they are if they're human and they don't know the Lord, they're looking for something. And salvation cannot be found anywhere else but except the cross of Calvary. Amen. Their search will not end in a bar. Their search uh, will not end in a self-help book or a group or whatever the case may be. Their search for salvation can only end in one place. In Romans, um, or in Acts, it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that's part of our message. That's part of the gospel. That's part of the good news. That is part of our responsibility to carry that forward. Because once that message is sent out and once that message is given, then the Holy Spirit begins to work. Now, what's described here in John chapter 16 and what we talked about last week in the prodigal son, where he comes to himself as a work of the Holy Spirit. You and I call that old time conviction. Amen. And that's the word we use. And when we say that, we know what we're talking about because we've all experienced it. I didn't say felt it. Because if you describe something that you feel, it may be different to other people. And you and I as a church must be honest about that when we're sharing the good news of Christ. There's not always a formula. It's not a feeling. It is, the, the proper word is experience. It's something uh, that you know it once you've been through it. It's the point in time when a person realizes they're confronted with their sin and their unrighteousness, and they come to put their faith in Christ. Now, that might include tears. It might include inward feelings, and it might not. I, it, I think it looks different for each and every person. But you and I have to be honest about that, and we have to be honest about the gospel for so many years. I've heard the gospel preached that uh, now was the time, and of course that's true, that God could come back any time, and that's true as well. But there's a more pressing reason for today being the day for you to know God. It's that conviction. It's the Holy Spirit dealing with the heart. Now it's true, we don't know when our last day on earth will be, we don't know when the Lord will return, but we also don't know if or when the Holy Spirit will deal with our hearts again. As lost people, that is the real pressing issue, that we answer the door when the Holy Spirit knocks, when the time is right, when the waters are troubled. And you and I can proclaim that boldly. We don't have to worry uh, 
about the message that we bring. Anytime I sit down with uh, older Christians, and I've been talking about that since we got here, especially um, the saints among us that make it well into their 80s and 90s, I always want to, and have been walking with the Lord uh, twice as long as I've been alive, I always want to sit down and ask them, how was it? How did you do it? When I talk about that with other ministers, the answer I always get is, is you hear praise to the Lord. They're thankful for what the Lord has brought them through, for what the Lord has done for them over all these years. And there's um, great sweetness in that testimony. And it's just like in the Old Testament when the people of God are stacking rocks on top of one another so that they can tell their children that this is the place where God worked a miracle. Those testimonies are the same thing. It's telling other people at places and points and time in your life where God worked a miracle uh, for you, and you hear those, and they're so sweet. But yet, when we assemble together and we go into our homes and we go out into the community, into our neighborhoods, our workplaces, we act as if the message we're bringing is anything but good news, that the world has so much more to offer than we do, and it's simply not true. I'm unsure why we present it that way. I'm unsure why we are timid. This morning we're full of Spurgeon quotes, another one says, When we preach Christ crucified, we have no reason to stammer or stutter or hesitate or apologize. There is nothing in the gospel of which we have any cause to be ashamed. We have nothing to be ashamed about. When we tell people about Christ and him crucified, his work on Calvary, we're beginning the end of their search. And what I mean by that is when you turn on the news or when you turn on your device and scroll through whatever media platform you scroll through, you're seeing an entire population of people that have no peace within. And peace within, we know, starts as peace with God. The Bible says in the book of Romans, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, that's made possible by the work that's on Calvary. You and I are calm this morning because of the peace that we receive from God, the peace we have with God through salvation and through our trust in Christ. Now, not only that, we must be honest when we share the good news with our lost loved ones. It's not something... uh, And when I say we must be honest, we must be uh, fully biblical. A lot of times we hear these things that are not untrue, but they're not the whole story. And we would present it in a way that once a person comes to know Christ, then they go to church, right? But the Bible presents it in another way. In the book of Ephesians, it starts out in verse 12, it says, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus ye, who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. 
For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible when it talks about the gospel message and Christ crucified being preached to those who were near and those who were far off. It's talking about people that are near and close to God, people that have grown up in church and those who are far off, who are lost in sin and uh, evil, wicked ways, that salvation must is available to both of them and must be achieved by both of them. See, being near to God, growing up in church, it prepares you better for the life to come, but it doesn't guarantee your salvation. You still need to put your trust in Christ. It's still an act uh, in itself. But the Bible goes on. It says, For through him we have both access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. Now that is a very wordy, wordy way to say that as you and I sit here today, we are a continuance of what we read in the Bible. This is our time and our responsibility to carry the gospel message forward. You and I are responsible for that. You and I are saved, and we have salvation, and God takes one step further, and he saves us into his people, that we don't get saved and go to church. We are saved and become the people of God, all of us together. The church is a blessing to God's people. It won't be the last Spurgeon quote this morning, but it will be the third. It is my favorite. You've heard me quote it many times. Charles Spurgeon said, The church is not an institution for perfect people, but a sanctuary for sinners, saved by grace, who, though they are saved, are still sinners and need all the help they can derive from the sympathy and guidance of their fellow believers. The church is the nursery for God's weak children, where they are nourished and grow strong. It is the fold for Christ's sheep, the home for Christ's family. It is the dearest place on earth. It is the dearest place on earth. And that, that is all wrapped up in the good news. That's what we talk about when we talk to our lost loved ones and family members and neighbors and friends. Uh, we shouldn't do that with a defeatist attitude. This is a whole uh, different thing than what the world has to offer. This is true salvation. This is true help. If you are talking to a Christian today, I know myself, this is very true. If we're honest we don't know how we would face tomorrow without the help of God. We don't know how we would face life 
without the help of God, without the blessings, without the plan he has put into place. As you and I come together and understand the gospel and understand our responsibilities and understand the blessings of God, we were standing in the fellowship hall the other day and members of the church were hard at work uh, filling small containers and getting food ready to distribute uh, to those around us. I've wandered off into what tech, we don't really have a name for it, but it's really our storage closet. I'm standing in the middle of that, and members are hard at work. There's plenty of food everywhere. The storage cabinet is stocked. Uh, and I just pause for a minute, and I thank God for the blessings that he's given us, for the work that he's allowed us to do. We're in a, we do a lot of work for a handful of people. We distribute a lot of stuff for a handful of people. And it's only through the power and the provision and the oversight of the Lord above that we're able to even remotely accomplish any of that. But I'm so thankful for that. When we... When I think about when, when we turn on the news or scroll through a device, I often, I'm, I'm not taken back, but when I think about what might come in the future, uh, there's not a lot of worrisome trouble, right? There's a peace there. There's a peace in knowing uh, that I serve a God that is capable and able and that I'm part of a loving church. And I don't know if you think in those ways, but when we think about the worst things that we could face as a people here on earth, uh, my mind always turns to all of us here together, facing it together. We'll make it together as we serve the Lord together. If you're not feeling that, the main point of, of today's text and message is if you don't understand what I'm talking about and you think I'm crazy when I talk about being part of a loving church and the, and the people of God and that we're here together, it's available to you. As part of the people of God, there's not a real way that we pick and choose whom we like and who becomes the people of God, right? It's open to all believers, it's mandated for all believers. God saves us into a church and into a people from near and far. So if what I'm talking about is foreign to you, I would urge you to get to work, that you're more than welcome, that we're here, and we would love to know you better, and we would love for you to know us better. Uh, Christians are not meant to sit at home alone if they're not able, or if they're able to to get out, and it's wise to do so. So stand with me this morning. Sister Diane will come. <clears throat>